We are continuing with the reading of excerpts from the book Legendary Lake Pond Array by Jane Fritz and Friends, and read by Jane Fritz. Area 7, Johnson Creek to the Green Monarchs. Overview. The Coeur d'Alene Mountains drop steeply into Lake Ponderay, southwest of the Clark Fork River Delta, and are known as the Green Monarchs. They create a dramatic band of steep forested slopes that are as primitive and remote as they are captivating. Spectacular vistas of Lake Ponderay can be seen high above the water at the Johnson Point Vista or from one of the area's hiking trails. This place is for those who want to experience the lake's wilder nature. The rugged and relatively unspoiled lakeshore draws people to this area of the lake mainly because it is public land, managed by the U.S. Forest Service. The shoreline is accessible only by boat. However, there are a few places where you can actually land any size of watercraft, despite nearly eight miles of shoreline, which stretch from the mouth of the Clark Fork River to Windy Point. Many people come here with the desire to escape civilization, but during the months of July and August, you'll likely have to contend with powerboats and personal watercraft, especially in the river channels, which can be dangerous if you are in a canoe or kayak. But if you are lucky enough to paddle out into the lake and find one of the sparse pebble beaches unoccupied that lie below the Green Monarchs, it will offer rustic camping, deep water to swim in, and a place to experience the fury of wind, water, and whitecaps. More people come here to fish off the Monarchs than to camp or explore. When the weather is decent, a dozen or more fishing boats can be seen trolling the shoreline, angling for lake and rainbow trout, as early as 4.30 in the morning. Power boaters usually arrive by midday from the Hope Marinas, Johnson Creek or across the lake's deep open expanses from Garfield Bay. Traveling over open water is far too risky for a canoe or kayak, except from within the delta and by hugging the shore. Weather is another wild card. Good weather conditions are critical while boating in this area. But even if the sky is clear of clouds, high winds can suddenly and unexpectedly blow through from the southwest, the predominant wind direction on Lake Ponderay, or funnel downriver from the Clark Fork that hits you from the southeast. Wind currents will sometimes do both if you are in the delta or crossing the small bay from Lee's Point. I capsized my canoe halfway across the bay one early July afternoon, when it would have been smarter to wait at Lee's Point for calmer winds and water. The most important advice I can give about this area of the lake is to always be prepared for dangerous weather. Remember, the lake is your only passage back to where you started. I've been told that the 4th of July holidays are one of the stormier times to be on the lake and my own experience bears that out. Years before my exciting capsizing incident of sudden strong winds, I had another close call. I was sleeping peacefully on a small beach when a sudden unexpected storm hit. 
Temperatures plummeted 30 degrees, and large waves crashed ashore, pulling my canoe back into the water and lodging it against partially exposed rocks, ten yards out. Somehow I was able to swim to the canoe and pull it back to shore, a Herculean task, and then spent twelve hours sleeping under it, waiting for one storm after another to pass over before I could make it back to Johnson Creek. This is not the place for the faint-hearted or inexperienced boater. There are three visible landforms at the foot of the Green Monarchs, Dead Man Point, Indian Point, and Windy Point. The latter is the final landform on this wild side of the lake. Around Windy Point is where the lakeshore turns southwest toward Kilroy Bay. Now you've come full circle on Lake Ponderay. Anecdota, the lake song. It had been a severe winter, and by the end of April, the snow had melted in the lowlands, but spring runoff had not begun in earnest from the mountaintops. I had returned to the Clark Fork Valley after spending winter in a distant big city. Whenever I roam, I celebrate my return with a canoe sojourn to my special place on Lake Ponderay at the base of the Green Monarchs, a varied colored pebble beach that I call Loon Beach because of the rare black and white birds that sometimes fish offshore. Others know it as Sacred Woman's Beach. If the lake were a woman's body, this would be the place to find her heart. In the 32 years I have lived in northern Idaho, I have canoed to this place more than a hundred times. Once I spent five days here in solitude, camping as simply as one can, no fire, nights warmed by a down sleeping bag and my nylon half-dome tent, sparse, simple meals, and water heated for tea using my backpack stove. Solitude isn't really accurate, though. I was surrounded by and observed a multitude of non-human creatures. But the only humans were fishermen who would troll past my camp, arriving just past dawn and leaving just before sunset. On rainy days, I was usually the only human around. It is a wild setting, to be sure. I have a special routine when I visit Loon Beach. It begins with picking up trash, pulling invasive knapweed, and dismantling any fire rings that people have built because the ash contributes to water pollution. Once the beach is restored to its usual beauty, I'll say a prayer of thanksgiving for the opportunity to return once more to this magical place on the lake, and then I go for a ritualistic swim. Every visit here surprises. On this first day of May, the water is icy cold, so as I step in, I'm left breathless, except that an unfamiliar song rises up from within me. Unexpectedly, I find that as long as I sing this chant, I don't feel the cold. If I stop for even a moment, the frigid water chills me so I keep singing. I wade deeper and deeper, singing all the while, amazed as to why I still feel warm. 
When I take the plunge and return to shore, I feel blessed and clearly welcomed home again. A Kalispell Indian elder told me years ago that songs are one of his tribe's ways of traditional healing. Maybe the Lady of the Lake understood my need to be in this special place, to return once more for rest and healing, and to come away renewed. Mystery, it seems, is just another facet of this great gem of a lake that is both fully alive and so full of life. Paddle Route, Clark Fork River Channels There are three main channels of the Clark Fork River Delta, North Fork, Middle Fork, and South Fork. There are numerous songbird and waterfall species here, as well as herring greaves, loons, ospreys, and bald eagles. The Delta is a wildlife paradise for kayakers and canoeists. Take care if you are paddling the river channels during spring runoff, as a very swift current typically develops. Swimming in the river at this time of year also can be dangerous. The far southern channel of the South Fork of the river from the Johnson Creek boat launch is my favorite paddle route of any on the Lake Ponderay watershed. After three decades of sojourns in every season except the heart of winter, I can attest that no two trips are alike. It is a resplendent place to find peace and quiet, as well as to see more wildlife than anywhere else on the lake. I encourage paddlers to go quietly and without haste. If you do, you will likely be rewarded with a close encounter with a wild creature or two. I once passed a mountain goat drinking at the shoreline of Jake's Mountain, which I call Red Mountain because of the red lichen on the rock face. Another September paddle, I floated quietly past a black bear only a few yards away, foraging in an old crabapple tree on one of the smaller islands. One fall sojourn, I surprised a mother otter and her three juvenile offspring playing on the branches of a fallen tree that was half on the bank and half in the water. Once she realized my cedar canoe wasn't a log floating by, she sent her youngster scurrying for cover and then climbed onto the tree branch closest to me and proceeded to growl and threaten. She really startled me, and so I paddled away quickly, apologizing for my disturbance. The distance from the Johnson Creek launch site to Lee's Point in the lake, along either of the South Fork channels, is less than two miles one way. But if you explore the delta, you can rack up several miles of paddling. It typically takes me less than an hour to make it to Lee's Point, along the far southern channel, depending on how long I linger. I always have my binoculars ready and use them. So I guess you could say I take a leisurely paddle. But once you make it to the county dock, you can tie up your craft, have a picnic on the beach, or take a swim and paddle back to Johnson Creek, either as a loop along the middle fork of the river to the primary South Fork Channel, or back the way you came. Since the estuary is full of backwaters, it's a little tricky to know where to find the South Fork Channel from the Middle Fork. But I've always turned right near a very large tree 
rising above the shoreline shrubbery. Lore Along the Shore, Kalispell Culture In Kalispell mythology, Rock was the big chief. Chief Rock, with Coyote's help, gave all the fish, wildlife, and plants a good home here in the Delta. And so it is still today. Chief Rock also was the chief that wed Ponderé Lake, a man, to Priest Lake, a woman. The female lake was nice and gentle, but the male lake was very mean and caused many people to drown. Grandparents would warn their children to get to shore quickly if they saw a vision of a large animal like an elk swimming in the lake that suddenly went underwater because a storm would surely arise. These spirits were as important as the physical world to the people. Because of the dangerous nature of Lake Ponderé, the Kalispell people wouldn't cross the lake here in a single canoe, but traveled in twos or threes, sometimes tying the canoes together with a length of cedar for more stability in rough water. They also might leave offerings for safe passage. The Kalispell fished the delta by building brush and stick weirs for whitefish and also catching bull trout and pike minnow with set hooks in line, sometimes at night using torches. There was a summer village and fishing camp in this area that they called a curve in the side of the mountain. After 1875, it became a vision questing site after someone saw an underwater spirit elk and the resulting storm. The people also hunted in these rugged steep mountains for deer, mountain goats, and bear. Kalispell ancestors adapted to the dynamic conditions of the environment caused both by nature and human behavior. They adjusted the location of their campsites, sometimes yearly, due to the changing nature of the shoreline, caused by variable spring runoffs, winter storms, and the availability of trees to use as fuel. The Clark Fork River was part of the rope that bound together the different tribal villages and groups who lived east as far as the Flathead Valley in Montana, along Lake Ponderé, and west down the Ponderé River as far as Canada. This rivers and lake corridor is still used by modern-day Kalispell, to visit relatives east and west. But today, the people travel by automobile instead of canoe, foot, and in later days, horseback. Lore Along the Shore, Monarch Landmarks Early prospectors in these mountains called their diggings the Green Monarch Mine. The mine shaft is still visible among the trees and shrubs that have grown up around its dark entrance, which today is blocked. The mine's name was later applied to the entire mountain and to the ridgeline that also includes Jake's Mountain and Schaefer Peak. A forest fire swept this mountainside in October 1991, originating around Windy Point at Kilroy Bay. The landmarks along this very steep, rugged, rocky section of the monarchs carry memorable names, Dead Man Point refers to an incident here that claimed the life of an Indian. According to accounts, 
an avalanche crashed down the exceedingly steep slope and buried him alive. Indian Point is named for the same man, and just east of this rocky point is an interesting crack in the cliffs, which beckons closer examination. But beware of falling rocks. Windy Point is where the east-west lakeshore makes a directional turn to the south-southwest, exposing this point to the harshest elements the lake can muster. The wind slashes the shoreline here when it whips across miles of open water. Storm warnings. I've encountered a lot of weather out on Lake Ponderay in my canoe, but usually I'm close enough to get to shore quickly and stay there. But what do you do when you're out fishing on a powerboat and a big storm comes up from the southwest? Charter boat captain Ed Dixon says normally in those situations, everyone in a powerboat goes to shore. But once he and a friend stayed out during a big storm with pouring rain and huge winds, only because they were catching big fish. Every time they ran into 10-foot waves, the poles would go off and they would land another 15 to 22 pound rainbow. They caught seven lunkers before reaching Windy Point. From there, they decided to head for home and managed to perch on 16 foot waves that they literally surfed all the way back to Hope. Another charter boat was out there that same day, but had engine problems. This captain swears the waves were 20 feet high. At times, This lake can be life-threatening for mariners. Winds predicted to be 20 to 40 miles per hour can quickly become 60 miles per hour and turn what were 8-foot waves into 10-foot waves. There are at least 50 lost souls, as Ed calls them, people who have drowned, whose bodies have never been recovered. And that doesn't include the Kalispell Indians, whose oral histories surely add to that number. Ed says he has great respect for Lake Ponderay and its weather. He also has seen a lot of water spouts on the lake. He says they start out as tornadoes, dropping into the water after first tearing up enormous bull pine trees and tossing them around on land. He's been out on his boat in at least 14 of these type storms. He once witnessed a guy who ran out on the dock to help tie up Ed's boat get tossed 30 feet out into the water by one of those wild winds. A friend of Ed's was in a 36-foot boat trying to make it in and was spun around 360 degrees before he got into the marina. Enough said? Watch out for weather. Wildlife viewing. Uncommon, common loons. One of my favorite Salish legends is about an encounter between coyote and loon. Told to me by Spokane tribal elder Pauline Flett, the story takes place at the edge of a deep lake, and the theme is similar to other tribal loon legends of the Northwest in Alaska. The loon is a healer, restoring eyesight to those who are blind. Of course, I always imagine the lake in the story as being Lake Ponderay, where loons once were numerous, nesting on the edges of the shoreline in marshy wetlands or on small grassy islets in the Pack River or Clark Fork Deltas. 
They've likely been here since the last Ice Age. Alice Ignace, a beloved Kalispell who was a major culture bearer of her tribe, told me that on certain spring nights her ancestors would find it difficult to sleep because the loon's mystical-sounding calls were so prevalent. Of course, all that beautiful loon music was in the years before the huge log drives, the building of the railroad, powerboats, and shoreline development. It was long before the dams were built. Today, either hearing a loon's wail echo out across the water or seeing one is uncommon. The birds are shy and elusive and tend to stay out in the middle of the lake away from people, only coming closer to shore at dawn or after dusk when things quiet down. The common loon, a piscivore, but in its own family, rarely breeds here anymore, mainly because of the fluctuating water levels caused by the dams. Biologists who leg-ban birds for research find that Lake Ponderay is more often a stopping place during the loon's long seasonal migrations between the Arctic and Pacific Ocean. The common loon is the species most typically seen and heard on our lake, although there have been occasional sightings of Arctic, red-throated, and yellow-throated loons. In recent years, there has been some effort to reverse the decline of the nesting loons on Lake Ponderay. Although sedge or cattail marshes are the loon's favorite native habitat, loon platforms, small floating man-made bits of landscape, have been placed in this area of the Clark Fork Delta and in Denton Slough with the hope of encouraging a breeding pair to stay and nest. Common loons are a goose-sized bird that sit deep in the water and dive deeply for its prey, usually fish. Its average territory is about 100 acres of lake. It also needs a long runway for taking flight gathering speed with its feet before liftoff. Once in the air, they fly up to 100 miles per hour. Males and females are identical in appearance, with the male being slightly larger. Although a drab gray-brown in winter, the bird's summer plumage is distinctive in black and white dress. Its head, neck, and dagger-like bill are solid black, with white vertical bars called a necklace circling its throat. It has a solid white breast and white spots also dot its back, like stars scattered across a night sky. The eyes of the adult loon are deep red, which help them see underwater. Like grebes, loons have a solid bone structure, making them superb divers, but on land they are clumsy because their feet are positioned far back on its body. They go ashore only to mate, lay, and incubate eggs. Their brood of one or two chicks will ride about on the adult's back. The common loon's other distinctive feature is its voice. It has four different calls, yodel, a territorial call done only by the males, the whale, similar to a wolf howl, and used to locate its mate across distances, tremolo, a quavering laugh that is actually its alarm call that humans or predators are getting too close, and hoot, 
uttered when in close proximity of each other. If you think you have positively identified a loon on the lake, or even more so a nest site, please protect the area from boat use. Stay at least 150 yards away and learn what activities stress the birds. Loons can coexist with humans if certain precautions are taken. If you are positive that you see one and that it isn't a redneck or western grebe, document the location and time of day and contact Idaho Fish and Game. The loon has been around for 60 million years, so let's do our part to help keep this mystical, mysterious healer of a bird around Lake Ponderay for a long, long time. A Lake's Worth of Night I stretch a line across the bay to the rhythm of my canoe. A loon surfaces, looks at me sideways, one red eye tilting distraction, its trembling song warning me danger in the changeling wind. Wild fingers, elemental fury, drive me inland. Not drawn to settle the storm, I watch wind and water tumble, like lovers quarrel, pitch, swell, break. I stand on stones transparent to a fishing loon, garnet eye fixed on the sun, as it falls along its curved bow of sky, waiting to sing of passages open for canoes, passing of time. A wailing loon settles it in night darkness, mystery seduced. I grow old like stone, my breath the aching waves. Gray falls dark, dreams fall harder than rain, harder than waking to a loon's call, a thinly veiled moon to make love to. Night gives way to dawn and birdsong, clouds thin to pale blue threads, and I'm found naked as dry colored stones, bones scattered to the quiet of this place. Thank you for listening. I'm Jane Fritz. Jane Fritz has been reading from her book, Legendary Lake Pondoray, Idaho's Wilderness of Water, published in 2010 by Keoki Books of Sandpoint, Idaho. The Bookshelf is a production of Spokane Public Radio. With Vern Wyndham, I'm co-producer Nancy Roth.